It's the Eastern Insider Podcast with your hosts, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Punch your ticket to Cleveland. That's exactly what both the men's and women's basketball programs will attempt to do tonight. Monday, it is uh, time for Mid-American Conference Tournament Basketball, Alex, and you couldn't have asked for a better situation. The men's team on the road at Kent State, a team they've already beat, a women's team hosting Northern Illinois, a team they've already beat. Most would say that it's the best time of the year in college basketball. It's tournament time, and there's good energy around both programs right now because if you're the EMU women's team, you've earned your first home game in the Mid-American Conference Tournament since Fred Castro's arrival in 2016. If you're the men's team, well, ball, uh, Kent State, very good program, but last time out you held them to just 49 points, well below their season average, almost 30 points below their season average. So confidence for both teams tonight. Not easy to play a road game if you're the men, but an opportunity to prove themselves once again, of course, after the great start to the season, a nice rebound in the second half of the season, and get to Cleveland. If you're the women, all you have to do is take care of business against a team that you've already beat at home once this year. If you do that, I think both of our teams have a good shot to be down in Ohio. Yeah, you look on the on the men's side first. We'll start there. Rob Murphy's crew playing a Kent State team in the tournament for the first time since 1995-96 campaign a long time since these two teams have, have matched up in the postseason. Hard to imagine, considering Kent State's long string of success they've had in the league. Uh, and we've seen what, what Coach Murphy has been able to do once he gets to Cleveland. But the hard part is you don't like walking into the Max Center knowing the Golden Flashes have their full support of fan base behind them, who's had a long history of playing at Quicken Loans Arena. Absolutely. The Max Center can be an electric atmosphere. I think that everybody will expect it to be tonight. It's really an interesting balance that the men's team has going for it for it right now. Rob Murphy not only has good experience playing at the Max Center, so he will certainly have his team ready for that. But it's an interesting balance because Coach Murphy in his ninth season, certainly a wealth of postseason experience uh, and tournament play knowledge. But on the flip side of that, 10 new players on the roster this year that haven't quite experienced what it's like to play in postseason basketball. And sometimes it's better to have a veteran crew, but sometimes it's good to have that youthfulness because, you know, these guys have the attitude that it doesn't matter who we're playing. It doesn't matter if Kent State's supposed to beat us, if they're the better team, if they've got more fans. They're going to go in there with a little bit of a controlled, reckless abandon. And if if Murphy can control that, they're a team that can beat anybody. We've seen that throughout the year. And then we know it's March because everybody loves the upsets. And that's what Fred Castro and company have done each of the past two years, winning first round MAC tournament road games at Northern Illinois two years ago. And then just last year going on the road as well. But both times they ran into the buzzsaw of Central Michigan. This time, they won't have to battle the Chippewas once they get to uh, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, which is a great thing. Not that uh, they wouldn't like a rematch after being up 16 most recently over the weekend, but it gets them a team in Ball State and a different flavor in Cleveland if they're able to get past a Husky Ball Club tonight. 
Well, uh, you know, not having to play Central Michigan, what's a good consolation for that? Well, Brady, Sally, and Ball State, of course, they're one of uh, the top mid-major programs that you're going to find. So certainly not an easy matchup, but a matchup that Fred Castro will openly tell you he likes better than the Central Michigan matchup. He feels that his team matches up very well with the Cardinals uh, if they can get to Cleveland. And then if they can get to Cleveland, there's no doubt about it, and he won't be shy about denying it. The semifinals and the final are the absolute expectation for this team if they can get to Cleveland tonight. First, they'll have to get by Lisa Carlson and NIU, a team that they split with in the regular season. Beat them here at Eastern Michigan. Lost on the road just 12 days ago in DeKalb and certainly not overlooking what NIU can do tonight because in large part, they've got one of the best players in the country in Courtney Woods. She ranks inside the top 20 among NCAA Division I active players in six offensive categories. So certainly no slouch. And it'll be an interesting challenge for Fred Castro to decide tonight whether he wants to put all of his eggs in playing against Courtney Woods or letting her have hers and playing against the other team members that NIU has. So certainly an interesting matchup coming your way. But if this team can get to Cleveland, they are expecting to make some noise. You'll have Coach Castro a little later in this broadcast. And I'll have the call tonight alongside Tom Helmer on ESPN+. Plus. If you tune in for tonight's EMU-NIU matchup, each of the last uh, few years there's been a upset, but the number 10 seed has only won twice in the past decade. So things are on Eastern Michigan side. Looking ahead to the week, we still have other sports that will go on. Most notably, football begins their preseason practice schedule on Tuesday as they hit a string of 15 dates throughout the month of March and then into April to practice on the spring practice field. Caught up with head coach Chris Creighton to get his thoughts on spring ball as well as how he replaces some of the pieces that are gone. Because as much as you want to think about it, Alex, They do return 44 individuals who won a letter last year, but 22 guys out the door who meant so much to this program. Well, it's one of the the aspects of football that every coach has to deal with, the cyclical nature of you're going to have big outgoing classes and small ones after that. Um, But that's a challenge that Coach Creighton fully anticipates when whenever he's taken another job. And, and it's something that I think he's really tried to build on here, having players in the pipeline that can then replace some production. Of course, you have to tip your cap to some of EMU's all-time bests that graduated this year and Vince Calhoun, Kevin McGill, among others, Brody Hoying, Mike Glass certainly etched his name in just two years into the record book like a player we've almost never seen before here. And that's saying something with some of the quarterback company that he had uh, at Eastern Michigan. Uh, but it's one of those, like I said, aspects of the game that I think Coach Grant's prepared for. And you'll hear in, in your interview with him today uh, when you're listening at home, that he's excited about some of these young guys that have the opportunity now to come in and make a name for themselves. Because, well, guess what? Max Crosby, when he got here, we weren't talking about Max Crosby being potentially the runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He was a pretty small, skinny kid and worked his way into becoming certainly the league's best pass rusher his senior year. And then, of course, a a great player uh, in the National Football League. So, there's always an opportunity. It's it's a double-edged sword when you lose some guys. But guess what? It allows the next crop of guys to come in. 
And if you have been missing football season, then you get a whole 13 minutes of Chris Creighton getting you revved up in this episode. That is fine. As people forget, yeah, there are guys out the door, but you guys like Clay Holford, Ty Eddington, Teran Rush, uh, just to name a few guys. On the defense is particular, we asked him uh, strengths, and he says the defensive line is going to be much improved, as will the offensive line. So those are what he views as the strength, but you'll hear much more from Coach as we continue on. Also, as you look ahead to the schedule for the week, it's a TBA with asterisk by a lot of it, just because when you're listening to this podcast, things may be a whole lot different. We know women's quarterfinals will take place coming up on Wednesday. That's in Cleveland. Men's quarterfinals on Thursday before the semifinals Friday, as well as the Saturday championship. We've got women's tennis at home. Uh, The Chippewa Club, the site of Cleveland State, coming up on Wednesday afternoon at 12 before you see baseball hit the road this weekend as they'll be out in the middle of the country taking on Kansas State. Yeah, baseball, uh, talk about a team that is ready to get back on the field to try to give themselves a new look. They won their season opening game, but they've dropped 12 cents then. I actually just got out of a conversation with Coach Eric Roof and bench coach Corey Mee. They're taking this approach, not the start of the season they wanted, but This team still has the potential to where at the end of the year, we're writing about, wow, what a spectacular turnaround. They have total belief in their talent, and they think that they'll be able to turn around, especially in MAC play, and get their their way to Avon. The good thing about Avon and the MAC tournament for baseball is it doesn't matter what you do in the non-conference. You just have to win some games in conference play, and they're certainly uh, excited about that challenge, and they do have belief that they'll be able to turn the season around. If you have ESPN+, Plus, you can catch that series from Manhattan, Kansas on ESPN3, part of the Big 12 now on that service. Uh, women's gymnastics will be in Kent State. They'll take on the Golden Flashes and Michigan State, a rematch to close out their regular season before the gymnastics championships gets underway uh, next week. And then we also have men's golf. They're back in Arizona at the Grand Canyon Invitational. Not too bad of a place to spend the month of March. Should be fun, big fella, as you look at it. Uh, we're not big in the prediction game, but more importantly, we're predicting we'll see you in Cleveland on Wednesday. Absolutely. I'm not going to give you a score, but I will say that Cleveland, just like Detroit did for the quick lane bowl, will become a sea of green and white this week because you heard it here first, both teams punching their ticket tonight. There you heard it. Tune in all week long on emueagles.com as well as WEMU and our Mac partners along the line. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. Rolling on in this Mac tournament spectacular that is the Eastern Insider Podcast today on Monday, March 9th. Of course, the biggest day of the year, some would say, for our basketball programs. The men are on the road at Kent State, but the women's team gets to host a game at home. They earned that rank because they finished in the top eight of the conference, the highest finish that Coach Fred Castro has had in his four years here. I know that Coach, uh, maybe not the buy you guys were hoping for, but still an opportunity to play at home in front of a home crowd tonight to open up 
the tournament and get yourselves to Cleveland for the third straight year. Yeah, no. Anytime you can uh, earn another opportunity to play at home, uh, you want to you want to take advantage of that, and uh, we're going to need uh, to just do that against a very tough NIU team tonight. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, record in the MAC tournament. This your fourth year at Eastern Michigan. Two straight quarterfinal quarterfinal appearances for you. Your teams have been two and three in the MAC tournament. What is some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? in your couple of years as a head coach now about the MAC tournament and, and what have you taken into this year uh, for the preparation? Yeah, I don't know that the the MAC tournament uh, differs much than any other league I've been in in terms of, you know, tournament play is tournament play. You know, it's it comes down to do enough and, and survive in advance. You know, I know that might be cliche, but it's as real as it gets this time of year. Obviously, there's a unique... Uh, dimension in Mac in terms of hosting uh, the first round uh, if you're a five through eight team. And uh, that's something new for us. So uh, it's something that we want to be opportunistic with. Um, it allows our kids to get a little extra rest being at home tonight. And uh, obviously, uh, teams tend to shoot a little bit better at home than on the road. So we, we hope uh, that trend continues tonight. Well, and you'll get NIU tonight. For those that may not know, NIU was the first ever opponent for Eastern Michigan in the MAC tournament. They've played four times since the 80s, and both teams have claimed two wins against each other in the MAC tournament. Coach, since you've gotten here, you've had some really good sparring matches with Lisa Carlson and company. Six and five are NIU uh, in, in the lead in that series since your arrival. What makes NIU such a respectable opponent? I think just like all the teams in this league, they're they're very well coached. Uh, they have a unique player in Courtney Woods that can absolutely fill it up. I think she just finished with 36 or something ridiculous like that against Toledo. Uh, so, you know, each team provides its uh, unique challenges. Uh, but uh, NIU does a great job of preparing their teams. Um, they're very well coached. And, uh, you know, they at this time of year, everybody's playing just to play one more game, one more game um, to get to that championship opportunity. And NIU is going to be no different. But uh, I think the the competitiveness between the two teams uh, has a lot to do with how often we see each other and how well we know each other. So uh, the team that executes and kind of comes out with those toughness plays tonight uh, will it'll be huge at, for the final result. Well, yeah, and you talked about Courtney Woods a little bit. Certainly, maybe one of the best mid-major players in the country. If you look at her numbers, she ranks in the top uh, top 20 among NCAA active players in six different offensive categories, over 2,000 points in her career. Certainly spectacular. When you're scouting a player like Courtney Woods, I know some coaches might have different approaches. Will the approach tonight be to maybe let her get hers and contain her how you can, but then do a really, really good job on the rest of the, the team that's out there? Or do you look more specifically at her and try to slow her game? Does she really make that NIU offense click? Uh, I think it depends what version of Courtney Woods shows up. Uh, I, I think we have a team that's capable of guarding everybody um, just because of our personnel. 
Um, for whatever reason, the, the first time we played them, we absolutely guarded everybody with the exception of her and one. And in the second meeting, uh, everyone else kind of got going and we did a great job on her. Um, so, you know, I think both games, we played pretty solid defense. I thought we played exceptional defense the first time limiting them to 55 points. Um, but it, it, you know, Teams are different on the road and at home, and some of that has uh, some some role players tend to struggle on the road. Some role players are a lot better at home. So those are all variables that we kind of put into play uh, when we're making the game plan. But I really think that we can do a, a good job top down. These two teams, you and NIU, met just 12 days ago in DeKalb, Illinois, and that was a game where your team trailed by 10 points in the fourth quarter got it all the way back to three points, made it very interesting down the stretch, but ultimately fell in. What are some adjustments that you've got to make on the court tonight to have a better result against the Oscars? I uh, thought we guarded it very well. I thought, I mean, we we shot, uh, went one for 13 in the second quarter and won the quarter. Um, so we've got to be able to put the ball in the basket. Um, we got to be able to get to the free throw line. Um, and NIU is going to do everything they can to keep us out of there. Now, that being said, uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for us to get out and transition and also knock down some open threes. And and that could be the different, the deciding factor offensively for us is how many fast break points can we get and how, what kind of field goal percentage do we shoot from the three point line? Yeah. And Jenna Anakariko did not play in that last game against mm-hmm. the Huskies. Whether she's scoring points or being a top five player in terms of assists in the MAC, why is the offense so much better when Jen Anna Carrico can step on the court? Because even again, last time against Northern Illinois, she's not on the court, but uh, Ariana Combs does score 29 points. But there's just a different level of play uh, when you've got your sophomore superstar on the court, isn't there? Yeah, she's just a quality player that has a really high basketball IQ and, uh, First things first is it it helps spacing. You know, people have to honor her and have to respect her out at the three-point line. And the other thing that Jenna does incredibly well is she makes um, easy plays often. And that's a very underrated attribute. Um, She knows how to get the ball to the right person at the right time so they can make an easy layup. And uh, and and that's something that just adds up, you know, the the accumulation of those plays in 40 minutes. And she pretty much plays 40 minutes uh, really adds up. So she may she may score 12 points, but she directly or indirectly adds another 10 to 15 points. And that obviously makes any offense better. Obviously, going forward from tonight on, it's about the MAC tournament and one game at a time, staying alive, keeping that season rolling. But we have to talk a little bit about the end of the regular season as well. You called Central Michigan one of the best, if not the best, mid-major programs in the country on Saturday. I want to ask you two couple questions about that game and really just starting with the first half. Your team's second quarter performance was unbelievable. You talked about the importance of hitting those shots while someone like Courtney Lewis hits four or five from deep from uh, in from deep in the second quarter, and you guys eliminate an early deficit and take a 14-point lead into the locker room, really making Central Michigan, who, like you said, one of the best teams around, looked just totally off base. And you guys really dominated that quarter. Is that a taste of what this team can be against any opponent when you guys are hitting shots? Yeah, 
you know, obviously that was a really good version of us. And, you know, we've had moments like that this year. You know, we went to Youngstown State and caught fire and and, and is really doing the simple things and moving the ball. I think uh, if we can keep the ball moving and, and it's really irrelevant on who we're playing, uh, I think it has to do more with our style of offense. When we can move the ball, we can make the defense go from left to right, north and south. Um, then it, those lanes just open up and then you have, you know, it's Courtney gets lost a little bit more. Jenna gets lost a little bit more and those driving lanes open up for Juanita and Ariana. So, uh, you know, it's a style of play that it's a lot of fun to play when you're hitting those shots, you know, and I think the fact that we did it last game, our players, you know, they could taste it and they could feel it. Uh, now it's a matter of doing it consistently. And uh, that's really what we've been working on for the last couple of weeks. So it's nice to see it play out at Central Michigan. Uh, unfortunate that we couldn't maintain it uh, throughout the second half. Yeah. And you talk about not being able to maintain it. But in the second half, you faced a couple of different elements. Obviously, the shots weren't quite falling like you'd want. The crowd up there at Central Michigan was very into it, very electric. And at the end of the day, Central's a very good basketball team. So despite the loss, and obviously that's something you never want as a coach, but what are some of the aspects in that second half that really looking into this game today, the team can take as a positive and really build off going forward? Uh, I think the fact that, you know, this is a time of year where you really got to get to the next play. You know, uh, you got to be in the moment. Um, You got to learn from the previous play. But more importantly, you got to move on to the next play. You can't carry plays over. Uh, And that's something that we talked about uh, after the game. Um, And, you know, having a, a short memory in a lot of ways this time of year goes a long way. I think we got a a good ball club uh, that doesn't need to play perfect basketball to win. I think if we play uh, the defense that we're more than capable of and then we can get in a good rhythm offensively, um, this is going to be an exciting team uh, this week. 6.50 p.m. tonight in just a couple hours. You're in the locker room with your team for the last time before they run out and you guys get tip-off going against... Northern Illinois, what's your final message to your team in the locker room? Uh, that is, let's not make it the last time. Let's let's find a way to make it one more, one more, one more. And uh, again, that um, relentless mentality, the refuse to lose mentality, and uh, the the fact that we know we're a good ball club. Um, I don't have to convince them of that. They know it. I know it. Uh, it's just a matter of going out there and doing it for 40 minutes and uh, taking one game at a time. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Fred Castro, the head coach of the Eastern Michigan women's basketball team. He says one more time, and I agree with him because I think we're going to have some audio coming your way from Cleveland over the next few days after a big win tonight. Coach, best of luck to you and the team here at the Convocation Center as you attempt to uh, get that third MAC tournament crown for Eastern Michigan. Thanks. Appreciate it. Spring practice gets underway on Tuesday as Eastern Michigan returns to the football field, joined alongside head coach Chris Grayton. Does it feel like it's the seventh time that you've taken to the field with this team? Gosh, in some some ways it feels as though uh, just getting started. And then when you say seven years, I mean, and looking back, uh, you know, it has been a while. So I think we're uh, hopefully getting better and better at it. 
when you look at kind of the longest tenured FBS head coaches, you're now 25th in the current active head coaches list. It just shows the profession changes a lot, but also shows the stability you've been able to bring to this team and the university over the last seven years. Yeah, it's been good. You know, it really has. It feels though that, uh, you know, not new here anymore. Um, feels though that our program is, as becoming more and more established. And, and again, hopefully we're getting better and better as we go. We're not going to spend too much time talking about last year, but when you look back at what it was, third bowl game in the last four years, uh, having an opportunity to, to beat a Big Ten team for the third straight year, what kind of stands out the most to you about last year's team? Well, you know, we, we uh, had some breakthroughs, um, but probably not as many as we would have liked. Um, you know, we beat some teams. We've beaten every team in the Mid-America Conference now, um, and uh, but fell short of our goals. Had some big wins, obviously, with beating a third Big Ten team, you know, in, in the third straight year. Uh, we had a chance for a magical night, um, you know, against Pitt, the quick lane bowl, and, and fell short. So, um, you know, love our team. I thought we fought like crazy, um, but uh, we did also, you know, fall short in some areas. And so that's definitely made us hungry, you know, to try to make that better this year. So many four-year players and starters from the team a year ago, you look at guys, Vince Calhoun, Brody Hoying, Kevin McGill, Shaq Van, guys that were four-year guys, and now those guys are gone. It's the first time a lot of Eastern Michigan fans will remember the program without them. How do you go about trying to replace some of the productivity they had? Yeah, I mean, that's the nature of, you know, college sports and college football is that, you know, you want guys to graduate and, and, uh, to move on with their life when their time is, when their time is up. Um, and so, you know, we've been recruiting and we've been developing players at the same time, you know, you start listing off some of those names and, you know, replace is really not the right word. I mean, guys have to make their own name. Um, guys have to step up uh, and, and be their best. You know, we'll have our pro day here soon and, and get to see all those guys coming back. And, you know, it was a great group. Mm -hmm. There's no question. Um, but we do feel as though, um, you know, we've recruited well and, and that we've developed guys. And so this will be a big spring. Heading into the spring, what do you kind of view as your biggest strengths coming back? And also kind of what's the biggest area that you, you kind of really want to work on heading into the spring? Well, I mean, there, there's lots of ways, you know, to answer that when you lose a, a big senior class. I mean, um, you know, we are senior leadership. Um, yep you know, has to step up just like everything else. But I'm really excited about this group and we're headed in a really good direction right now. Um, you know, we've lost, you know, three key secondary players, you know, defensively, but feel really good about uh, the core of people that we have coming back on defense. I really believe that we can take a step forward defensively. And then, you know, offensive skill wise, we've lost, you know, a lot of offensive skill. And like you mentioned, a lot of production. And so, that always starts at the quarterback position, um, and, you know, and so we're going to have to make sure that we're playing great at that position. And then, you know, there'll be some new faces at receiver and running back and, um, you know, feel pretty good about our offensive line and our tight ends. And then in terms of the special teams, um, you know, our two starting specialists are both back yep. and think that the, both of those guys have a chance to be, you know, really, really, really good. And then Drake Sutton, our long snapper, um, again, for, you know, the, the less people think about him, the better. And he would be the first to tell you that. And, you know, you, uh, 
you know, his name was not called because he didn't make mistakes. And so we'll need to step up there as well. Everybody wants to talk about the quarterback role. You've had Mike Glass for the better part of two years. He and Tyler Wieger shared the responsibility two years ago. Last year, of course, he gets the starting nod, but did miss the game. Preston Hutchinson starts, had some good reps, but it's still a quarterback room that's going to be pretty green. How do you go about getting them enough preparation this spring to be ready for the fall? Well, they, you know, you're limited to 15, you know, practice opportunities and we'll be taking full advantage of all of those. You know, Preston played uh, some of the uh, the um, Buffalo game, mm-hmm. um, but it was, uh, you know, start to finish in the Western Michigan game and always had a great night. I mean, has given himself and all of us a ton of confidence. Uh, but then he'll also be leading and competing at the same time, uh, just like Mike was last year. Um so we have guys who have developed in the program and um, and then we had a graduate transfer come in as well uh, in January. So um, excited, you know, excited to see that develop. Running back wise, of course, Shaq was with the program for six years, but it was a running back that played a complimentary role because you wanted to throw so much. How do you kind of envision 2020 being? Do you still maybe rely on the running back a little bit more than you did in 2019? Well, you know, Honestly, and this isn't necessarily game to game, but by the end of next season, you know, we need to be 50-50 and we need to be able to run the ball and throw the ball with equal proficiency. Um, I mean, there's no question about it. We do not want to be a one dimensional team. And, you know, each team is going to have strengths and weaknesses and you want to accentuate those. But uh, we want to be able to run and throw the ball with equal proficiency. Um, So we've got some good backs coming back and, um, you know, have one of our freshmen got here early. He's been here since January and then another one coming in, you know, in June. But uh, it's going to be exciting spring to, to see those guys go. Kobe Voltram at the linebacker position last year, team best 128 tackles. He graduates. How do you go about filling a role for his productivity as well in that middle? You know, well, I mean, Terry um, will have to continue to step up. will be a senior, you know, of our two inside linebackers. And then, you know, Kobe did have an outstanding year. Um, and from the moment he got on campus, you know, just was you know, so serious about being his best and learning it and doing it right and quickly became a year later, became a leader in our program. And so um, all of those guys will be missed. Um, but we've got a group of guys that, you know, Coach Nethery has been uh, bringing along and, um, you know, they're chomping at the bit to, to get out there this spring to show what they can do. And, um, you know, I, I've coached with uh, Coach Nethery since 1997 and um, I really don't have, you know, concerns about him bringing linebackers along you still bring back a fair amount defensively what kind of it stands out to the most of you that excites you about this defensive crew that returns yeah it always starts up front and so when you when you look at our defensive line we had some guys graduate but we also had two on our defensive line that you know we we thought were going to graduate mm-hmm. but just because of injuries and whatnot are able to come back and so um and you talk about the front line when you talk about the interior of the d line starts there and and we've got a chance to be pretty good you know, from the inside out and, you know, where we, where we lacked a little, uh, twitch, you know, and maybe our pass rush game last year, uh, we feel as though there's a couple of guys who, who didn't play much or at all last year that'll throw their hat in the ring, uh, with Turan on the outside that I think we're going to have, uh, even more productivity on the outside. So starting there with the D line and then half of our linebackers are, you know, are back told you we've lost, you know, 
two of our three safeties and then one of our two corners. Um, but again, we really haven't had to rely on outside help in those positions. Um, there are guys in the program uh, that we feel are, are ready to step up and are going to need to. On special teams, I know you touched on on Drake's graduation, but you do, as you mentioned, return Chad and Jake Julian. Jake led uh, Eastern in punting last year, setting a, a career and program best mark for that. What do you see his biggest strength coming into his senior year being? Gosh, his, you know, from January now to early March, he, he's been phenomenal. I mean, his leadership, his effort and winter conditioning. I just think his ownership in the program, his confidence, um, it just seems like it was a snap of the fingers. You know, we were recruiting him the, the summer before we started, um, you know, a few years ago. And he started as a freshman and and here he is going into his senior year. He, he's got the ability to be, you know, the best in the league. Um, and uh, so we're excited about that whole unit and group taking it as far as it can go. And then, you know, Chad Ryland, I'll tell you, you know, if you look at our specialists in the pit game, um, you know, hard to be much better. You know, those two guys together with, you know, everybody else out there um, on those units, I mean, was was really superb. And, um, you know, he's becoming an upperclassman now yep. in our program and has had some some incredibly um, great moments. Um, and so we've got really high expectations for him. You got to make a couple adjustments on your staff with with some guys departing. Uh, you bring Coach Blaney, Coach Piotrkowski and Coach Hicks in. What has it been like to have those guys in, in the room so far working with? You know, it's really been a smooth transition. And, you know, we haven't uh, been out coaching yet, but, uh, um, you know, from the outset, it's always been trying to hire great people and recruit great people. And, and um, you know, people immediately think about the position that they need to coach and whatnot. But, you know, you first need great people who care about the people that they're working with and, and care about the guys that they're coaching. And then obviously they're, you know, we want experts at, at what they do. And um, it's been a very smooth transition. Um, you know, obviously miss the guys that uh, have moved on. Yep. Um, and uh, at the same time, you know, there's, you know, some new excitement and new ideas. And I think we got a great group. Before we get you out of here, you mentioned Pro Day. Some guys that are at the pro level have had an exciting offseason. You look at Andrew Wiley winning a Super Bowl title. You look at Max Crosby finished as the runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year. What does it say about this program's ability to develop guys that may have been overlooked and send them to the next level and become pretty darn successful? Well, I mean, I think Eastern Michigan's got a history of that. I mean, when you start looking at the numbers of guys who've gone to the NFL or to the other professional leagues from Eastern Michigan, it's it's a pretty long list, um, you know. So, um, you know, I don't know that we're doing anything differently other than trying to recruit great people who are talented, fit this place, fit who we are. Um, but it is fun. You know, you mentioned three bowl games in four years and three and overs to the Big Ten in three years. And when I'm talking to recruits, we say we just had an offensive lineman win the Super Bowl and just had a defensive end who just got drafted last year, was, you know, up for defensive rookie of the year. And, um, you know, we're in this beautiful building and our guys are still killing it in the classroom. There are a lot of positives. Um at the same time, you know, we we just don't feel as though we've achieved what um, we've wanted, you know, to achieve. And we're just where are we in that process? I and mean, we have a we have a long way to go. And so you've got another, you know, the two, 2020 team uh, staff team program is hungry, um, you know, driven to get better and, and to prove ourselves yet again. 
Coach, I know you've said it a couple times that championships are won in the winter and spring. Uh, it, spring is really an important time for people to make that growth and jump, isn't it? Well, let's go back to the winter just real quick. Our, our seniors set a goal of setting 372 personal records, you know, in our testing phase at the end of the winter. And that's an average of four a guy. Um, we set 440 hmm. personal records. Uh, so hard to argue that that could have gone, you know, much better. And so now, you know, next Tuesday we'll start spring, you know, we call them opportunities instead of practices. We get, yes, we're practicing, but it's an opportunity to practice, to get better, to develop as an individual, as a group and as, as a team and program. And I, the maturity of our guys, I really do think that we have the ability to look at it that way and to attack it that way, you know, and, uh, when, and if we do. You know, I think April 13th, that Monday after the spring season, we'll look back and, and feel as though we've, you know, progressed. Already here upon a spring practice getting underway this week. Spring game concludes the annual spring campaign on April 11th. Coach, can't thank you enough for your time. As always, we'll catch up during the opportunities as well after practice. Until uh, for Coach, I'm Greg Sanders saying thanks for tuning in to EMUEagles.com. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. Thank you, as always, to all of our guests and, most importantly, you, the listeners. We couldn't do it without you, and we're so excited to be able to bring you all things Eastern straight from the source every week. As always, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you download your podcast, including this year from our own website, emueagles.com slash podcasts. Make sure you stay with us every Monday. We'll be back next week bigger and better than ever. Until then, go green, go white, and go Eastern, and have a great week. We'll see you next time.